PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast, where board studying is now a little bit more enjoyable. I am Ufat Hussain. I'm joined today by Dr. Blake Briggs. For every 10 to 15 minute episode, we drop high yield board knowledge. We like to say come for the stems and stay for the content. How are you doing, Dr. Briggs? I'm here. I'm present. <laughs> I'm accounted for. Lovely. We got a lot of folks on the website, and a lot of traffic on the website with people testing out their knowledge on emboardbombs.com. Hey, Dr. Briggs, I printed out a handout of your thyroid storm on a patient that I had recently for one of our med students. They really appreciated it. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Did you uh, did you give one to the patient too? I did. I did. They appreciated it. The patient actually followed us on Twitter, uh, gave <laughs> a thumbs up on Instagram, uh, took a picture uh, with us as well, and said, thank you so much. How hilarious would that have been, hypothetically, if that happened? Well, hypothetically, if we got consent for it, it would be great. <laughs> They uh, tweeted us out at EM Board Bombs and our Instagram as well. <laughs> you know, that's actually the model behavior of every subscriber, I think. Hey, Dr. Briggs, are you ready for this topic? I'm super ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. A 25-year-old female presents to the ER with severe pelvic pain. She currently isn't having any pain, but she says throughout the day she was having very severe episodes of pain. She Googled, quote, pelvic pain, and then started clicking on Google's people also ask question stems. <laughs> She states that she kept clicking on the Google questions that kept populating based on some algorithms and ended up with the question, quote, can constipation cause pelvic pain, end quote. She states that she believes in, quote, the algorithms and, quote, AI, and explains to you how glorious computers will eventually take over in the future and will eventually replace your job. Hmm. However, she does have a hard time explaining what AI is. And she's requesting Miralax because that's the treatment that she found based on the algorithm. But right in front of you, she has a severe episode of pain clutching her left flank and pelvic area. Which of the following is true? A, the most common risk factor is neoplasm. B, the incidence is higher in women of reproductive age. C, decreased Doppler flow is the most common finding on imaging. D, torsion is the most common gynecologic surgical emergency hey briggs what's the answer the correct answer here is going to be b the incidence is highest in women of reproductive age so hopefully the question gave enough hints um but this is gonna be ovarian torsion Uh, we're gonna be talking about a very difficult diagnosis actually so difficult and it's really funny how people don't think it's difficult (laughs) Yeah, it's it's great because people are like, oh, I've got an ultrasound. That's fantastic. Well, it's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah, so it's really funny in a bad way. This this disease, when I was studying for this and prepping for this session here, um, you probably did the same thing when you were prepping. There's like no evidence on it <laughs> for as common no. as it is. Um, but it's one of those things that we don't really know the exact incidence and we don't really know like a lot about it. It's kind of funny. 
right in a bad right. way and yeah and i think what's interesting is that the answer very rarely is a transvaginal ultrasound and uh, using that to rule out and that's what we're going to talk about here absolutely uh, so yeah. <laughs> ovarian torsion is a complete or partial rotation of the ovary you know people compare this often to the female version of testicular torsion they actually are pretty different um not only anatomy wise but um, in terms of the presentation and process, uh, testicular torsion is actually really, I think, easy to diagnose. Um, clinically, it has a, a very obvious pattern, and then the ultrasound is usually very definitive, almost always. Um, here, not the case. Um, there is a lot of myths and misunderstandings about diagnosing ovarian torsion. The incidence is more common in reproductive females. In general, it's we don't really know the exact incidence, but it's behind ectopics, appendicitis and corpus luteum cysts or rupture cysts so it's not a big deal behind ectopics and appendicitis yeah whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's fourth in the order <laughs> yeah so, so the most common risk factor i think what you're kind of alluding to as well you were talking about reproductive uh, females is really a cyst or neoplasm that should really raise some concern and one of the things we didn't mention here in the stem but the way it could potentially be mentioned in the stem would be them listing somewhere that the patient does have a history of a cyst. Absolutely. A mass makes it more likely for an ovary to rotate. That just kind of makes sense, right? Absolutely. And greater than five centimeter mass is the magic number. That's the one that's concerning. So if you do see a stem and they're referencing some sort of cyst, then they might be dropping that hint that this person is most likely you know, having torsion. And again, greater than 85% of women have some sort of ovarian mass there that is causing this. So again, you know, boards like to really ask you questions that you know focus on what a majority of patients will present with as well. And this is one of those ways that they would ask the question. But Dr. Briggs, can you talk about teenage females here? So teenage females present problems in, in terms of their abdominal complaints. Um, in fact, uh, they are more likely than not to have a mass, but they have a higher percentage of not having mass or cysts. We don't really know why. They have random issues with ovarian torsion. But what we're trying to say is in kids, uh, especially in the mean age of 10 years old and teenage females, um, you know, just because you have no mass on the ultrasound doesn't mean they can't have torsion. Teenage females. Out of all the ovarian-related procedures they have, 30% of them are torsion cases. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing, which really hones in how difficult it is uh, to have a female with abdominal complaints because you got to think, you know, obviously pregnancy, which can be ruled out with a pregnancy test. But then you're left with, you know, that classic debate of is this appendicitis or something ovarian? And I feel right. like that debate but comes up so much. It does. But at the same time, we're going to talk about this later, and that's when we're going to really get to the pearls of this question. It's all about the presentation. But Absolutely. We'll get into it in a Absolutely. Um, finishing up this whole mass discussion, because the cyst really does make this uh, the answer a lot of cases. Um, as the size of the mass increases, the risk of torsion increases, as Dr. Hussein said earlier. Um, and torsion overall was 2.7% of surgical emergencies at a women's hospital. And they had like 300 or something patients. Um, so that's a good sample of female patients at a typical women's hospital. About 3% of them are torsion surgical emergencies. So again, not uncommon diagnosis that has, you know, far-reaching implications for fertility and just 
right now talking about these masses these aren't we're not necessarily talking about cancer we're Absolutely. talking about benign lesions right so these are like cysts corpus luteum etc cetera, etc cetera. and that's why choice a is wrong uh choice a said most common risk factors neoplasm that's not true uh, the majority of women are not walking off cancerous lesions causing torsion um by far just think what's most common right how many females have in your career so far if you're a med student how many uh females have you seen with some type of cyst um a lot more than ovarian cancer for sure other risk factors here would be pregnancy, um, in vitro fertilization, and then, uh, of course, prior torsion. Really, the answer to anything on a test, if it's a big risk factor, it's if you had it before. <laughs> yes. yes. Had it before, have it again. Yeah. That's, the uh, obvious answer. Board bombs 101. That's about 30% of our patients that we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> At least. Hey, go over the presentation for us. Yeah, so this is the key part, and this is why we have this listed. It's all about the presentation, especially on the boards and even oral boards. Pelvic pain is 90% of the time. That's why we focused in on that in the STEM. 90% of the time, they are having pelvic pain. 60% of the time, it's sudden and onset. Hmm. That's key. So again, leading you away from appendicitis. One to three days of presentation, greater than seven days is unlikely. But again, they probably would have been experienced this within the last few hours or even the last day. A key part of that history is, again, that sudden onset. And it might confuse you with kidney stone, but they are not going to slip in urolithiasis or kidney stone to confuse you on the boards. Really, what they're going to be trying to hone in on is hey, this was sudden onset. It's very colicky in nature. Now, we talked about how the history presents. What are some of the other key parts here? But- yeah, one thing to add, you know, as, as Dr. Hussain was saying, this is entirely different from appendicitis. Appendicitis is not colicky. Appendicitis is constant pain, sudden onset, usually beyond three days. It's not appendicitis. Uh, it would have ruptured by then. Nausea and vomiting, about 60% of patients, so not that helpful and very nonspecific. And then just a quick note here, vaginal bleeding is only about 4%, so really I would say the opposite. If you see vaginal bleeding, I would not think of nope. ovarian torsion. Right. The physical exam, um, hey, guess how good it is? Uh, probably uh, suboptimal. It's very suboptimal. Yeah. One-third of patients may not have tenderness. <laughs> I know. And, you know— it could be localized, could be generalized. Whatever. Um, it really depends what day of the week it is, actually. Um, right. Could be sharp, could be dull. It's really what the patient likes to use in their vocabulary. So who knows? Uh, the physical exam, we got to do it. There's good things yep. for it, but this doesn't help here. As with any abdominal pain in a female, you will always get a urine pregnancy test. You will always get, you know, CBC, CMP if you're concerned about this sort of picture. And then really the big piece of the puzzle is, of course, the transvaginal ultrasound. Right. But I think the key part of it being a part of the puzzle is, yes, you order the transvaginal ultrasound, but oftentimes it's not going to show you torsion, especially if the no. patient is having acute pain, right? And can you explain that, please? Absolutely. So what we learned in med school and really early residency, and unfortunately, this is one of the biggest misunderstandings, is that everybody, everybody talks about the Doppler flow on the ultrasound. Yeah. It's very accurate. And if it's there, you've got a diagnosis. Done. But it's unfortunately a late finding, and it's not a common finding. As Dr. Hussein said, um, one, it depends if the patient's having the pain episode. And then two, depending on the picture and depending how early they are in the process, you're not going to see that Doppel flow because the ovaries have dual blood supply. Um, right. So at that immediate moment, they could be torsing, but their blood flow is not completely cut off at the moment until later. And so the most common finding on ultrasound, and this is one of the answer choices, 
Um, the correct answer here would be ultrasound showing a unilaterally enlarged ovary, both from edema and really, you know, just an isolated mass by itself would be concerning enough. Um, there's this thing you just have to know the term just because it could come up as a buzzword is the whirlpool sign, also called the hot tub sign. I'm just kidding. It's called a whirlpool sign. <laughs> Whirl- whirlpool. Are they still a company or they went bankrupt? I think they're still around. Sorry. All these all these people listening are probably just it's making okay. fun of yeah. when, when you get married, Blake, you'll know this <laughs> So the whirlpool sign is this like sign you'd see with the, within the ovary, and it's like reflecting the vascular changes in the edema. Basically, it's like a round hyperechoic structure with hypoechoic stripes concerning for twisting of the vascular pedicle and like edema. Um, you don't have to like be trained to see this on ultrasound. Um, hey, what about CT? You know, I hear a lot of people talk about getting CTs on these people and then going from there. What do you think about that? Sure. So again, not first line, but oftentimes you're going to see again, going back to that ovarian enlargement. That's what you probably are going to see. And oftentimes the radiologist will even comment on that. But when it comes down to it, you really need to get OB involved. This is where the diagnosis is really based on that history and how the patient presents in collateral with what you're seeing on CT or ultrasound, which is an enlarged ovary. The way the boards will present this to you are, the the way we presented this patient was sudden onset pain. And they'll even tell you sometimes a transvaginal ultrasound was done and just showed a large ovary. And they'll basically want you to say, it's okay for the patient to go home. However, the correct answer is getting ob gyne involved because yeah. again how sensitive is that transvaginal ultrasound uh not that good <laughs> ranges from 45 to 75 percent sensitive yeah suboptimal suboptimal um yeah the, the definitive diagnosis is uh laparoscopy so you, you know if, if you're concerned enough and gyne's concerned enough you gotta go to the or and the correct diagnosis of torsion um will be made there hey guess this is a gnarly little percent guess how many times um ed and gynecology are correct about the pre-op diagnosis of torsion thinking it's not even 50 percent. it's not it's 38 <laughs> percent. that's amazing and that's why it's so hard and that's why on the boards really you need to be aggressive and getting OB involved. So if there's an answer choice of getting OB involved, you should probably get OB involved. Uh, That's probably going to be the right answer choice, especially if you're presented with a patient who's having very colicky pain, sudden and onset. And again, there is some sort of imaging or a history of the patient having an adnexal mass, especially if it's greater than five centimeters. Hey, I got the greatest pearls here. You ready? Love it. Tell the people what they need to know. Pearl number one, colicky pain, sudden onset 60% of the time. Patients often present delayed within three days. Right. Classic for torsion. The second point here, greater than 85% of patients have an associated adnexal mass, usually benign, but the mass is usually greater than five centimeters, and that is the highest risk for torsion. Yep. Pearl number three, ultrasound is best imaging test, obviously, first line. But it's only a range of 45 to 75% sensitivity. Sorry, every, I laugh every time I see so that. So basically, you're telling me if the ultrasound and the boards tell you the ultrasound is negative, eh, it doesn't yeah. really help you that much. Yeah, exactly right. Um, decreased flow is not the most common finding. That's only found in about 40% of patients. Right. The heterogeneous mass and ovarian edema is the most common finding. And then the fourth bonus, Burl, when you think of renal colic in a female, think about ovarian torsion. 
And whenever you see an ovarian mass, it is, you know, torsion until proven otherwise. Right. So that's pretty much it. It always kind of sucks to, (laughs) in conclusion, explain, hey, that test that you really rely on to rule out torsion, eh, not that great. And guess what? There's nothing else. (laughs) Not that great. Um. But let's let's take it out. Let's take it out. Another board bomb delivered. Remember to sign up on our website, emboardbombs.com, as our uh, patient did uh, in the ER the other day. Just kidding. Uh, with they did with not. consent. With consent. <laughs> they did not. Um, hit up the section on quizzes. We have really built up that section. You can sign up for free and also just go through and answer a bunch of quiz questions and become smarter. That's what we're trying to help you do. Just become Become a bit of a smarter ER doc. Hit us up on Twitter at EM Board Bombs. We've got an Instagram as well. And we've got some great review guides. They're just one page, one and a half page. And you can reference those even when you're in the ER. Uh, drop us an Apple review. We're almost past 100 there, which is pretty nice. We appreciate the thousands of people that have listened to the pod. Really appreciate it. If there's a particular topic you'd like, drop it in the review section. We're trying to catch up. I know we've gotten a ton of review requests. We really appreciate it. We are one away from being caught up. Yeah. Anyways, appreciate the support. And this is Dr. Hussein and Dr. Briggs signing off. Peace. Good night.